Welcome to the next edition of P5 Protocols. I am lucky to be here with Mark Romano, who is the founder of Barefoot Living Arts, which is a unique studio and place of treatment in Fairfield, Connecticut. And uh, I've known Mark for 10 years initially as a patient, and he's become a good friend. But uh, he's also been a, a guide, uh, a mentor, uh, a what I would call sage of wisdom. And he's gotten me through some very difficult times uh, with incredible equanimity. So with that, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you, David. I feel the same. I think uh, I kind of think of you more as a brother, actually. And so you'll see some, uh, or hear, or feel, or sense some backslapping, but it's really not. It's mutual respect and a comfort. Um, but as we've already interviewed uh, several interesting people in various fields, what I thought it was time for was to bring in Mark, because I have rarely met someone who is that sensitive an instrument in and of themselves, and we'll get into that. Uh, but also the concept of barefoot living arts is, uh, as I'd like you to describe it, but my impression and the reason that I am behind you in many ways and with you is, is that it is a place to put your feet and get them planted firmly on the ground and find balance. So love for you to first just talk about your evolution going pretty far back okay. to how you started and how you got here. And then we can get into what Barefoot Living Arts is and how you practice. All right, I like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the evolution of how I practice um, does start from, I guess, my beginnings. And um, I luckily fell into the fitness industry when it became, I guess, an industry. Um, in the 90s, I came out of school. Um, I had injured myself so many times through football and other sports that I had learned to do rehab. I had learned to take work out. I learned to take care of myself. And I came out of school as actually a minor in, in philosophy, uh, specialization in exercise physiology, and a, and a brand new club opened up. And the next thing I knew, personal training became an industry. And at 20 years old, I was telling 50-year-old people what to do which is pretty remarkable. Um, but once Oprah got a trainer, and everyone felt like they could get a trainer, which was interesting. Um, my father did not believe it was an industry because before that, you know, personal training was not. He was waiting, when are you going to get your real job? When are you going to get your next job? And from there, I met a chiropractor who uh, thought I had great interpersonal skills and he was going to give me his practice. And I was going to go back to school to be a chiropractor. Ends up he had pretty bad Crohn's disease. And I saw him diminishing as we worked out. And from there, I realized there had to be something more than just adjusting the spine. So I looked in search for another venue of healthcare, and I came across, I guess through Gary Knoll or some book to that extent, a naturopath. So I actually enrolled in the school, signed my letter of intent, I guess you would say, paid my tuition before I ever actually met a nature path. So, so we moved. <laughs> wow. So we moved Didn't to, know that. yes, we totally, we jumped in. My wife got behind me. We jumped in. So, but I moved from Pittsburgh 
to Bridgeport, Connecticut. We lived in Milford, but Bridgeport's a lot different. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, it's one of the more um, yes. bizarre cities in the and and diverse, uh, but right. difficult cities in the country. Right, which wasn't the sur- the suburbs of Pittsburgh, I guess you would say. Um, but what came with me was this practical idea that I believe Western Pennsylvania has this kind of like blue collar mentality. Um, luckily enough, as I was going through naturopathic school, a place in Westport opened up called Chi Fitness. And again, um, with great synchronicity, she was actually from Pittsburgh and she hired me on the spot. So I got to meet an amazing clientele in Westport, Connecticut, which I would never have had a chance to meet. And from there, I realized that there was a there was something that I had learned or had gleaned from growing up in, I guess, a blue blue collar town. And the idea of like, let's get to work, let's do this, let's let's focus on something to do, let's create some motion. And that is why I started my naturopathic practice in Westport because of that. Um, but I kept movement as a major part of the evolution of health for my patients. And I found the people that were moving, and this kind of comes back to Barefoot Living Arts, were a lot easier to treat than people that came in and they had these chronic illnesses but were not getting off the couch, had not embarked on any kind of health journey, weren't willing to actually, maybe they were willing to take supplements or do a few things, but they weren't invested or they weren't participating in their healthcare. Um, so, so from there, I learned a system of exercise called Qigong. And then there's many kinds of Qigong. And then I was lucky enough to meet um, my teacher who teaches Shenzhen Gong, which is a very rhythmical form of, of, of Qigong. And that really has been a basis of my understanding of health um, in naturopathic school, our teacher said, if you want to know the maps, if you want to know the points, study the maps. If you want to feel the points, study Qigong. So from the feeling and understanding, I, I learned a lot more about how to practice as a doctor, how to treat people with acupuncture, how to treat them as a naturopath. And I still use that, those ideas as my basic premise of how to, to, uh, meet my patients. Um, the Qigong teaches you how to listen, how to um, experience another, how, how to really to extend your feeling out and sense what's going on. And from that, I've been able to understand the Chinese pulse a lot quicker than I guess I would have if, if I hadn't understand the Qigong that I know. Um, yeah, so, so I'll say one thing. I mean, Mark can be sensitive to the point that when I was almost seven years ago, I was macrobiotic. I took one of my sons away and I was trying to eat, you know, stay with the diet, be really clean. And we were, took him up to Vermont. We're driving back and all I have was a bag of carrots and that, and like a bottle of water to drive home. And I'm driving and I start eating the carrots and I eat this big bag of you know, whatever organic carrots. And my jaw is killing me by the end of the day. And I come in to see Mark the next morning. He puts you know, his three fingers on one wrist. He says, is something wrong with your jaw? <laughs> you know, like it's, and, and, and if I have a really hard workout and I've burned out my legs and if his fingers go near me, 
near near my pulse is is like what's going on. You know, he knows every organ. It's it's an amazing accomplishment of pattern recognition. So it, it is it is a it is a feat to uh, you know to watch uh, and be a part of. And 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 I'm in all the time. So it's um, for for those that are near here, it's it's something to experience and benefit from. Um, so so let's talk about your practice because as, as listeners know i like to get into not just information but how if someone comes through how you think which you've already gotten into and how you actually practice and and how things how patients evolve as they go through your practice right it's nothing static as we discussed actually earlier today right so yeah so the evolution of my practice was um so i started out after I graduated from school and I, I thought I'd work in wellness. I thought that was an easy transition and it was already with people that were taking care of themselves. And so I opened my office in a, in a fitness facility. Um, for some reason I thought the most important thing was to ask people the three biggest traumas in their life. And I actually thought maybe broken bone, car accident, simpler traumas that maybe I had recognized. I had no idea um, some of the traumas that people would share with me that quickly made me rethink my idea of health. And I moved my office to with, with a bunch of psychotherapists. Um, but in Naturopath School, I, I wrote my doctoral thesis on melatonin, psychiatric, and metastatic disorders. And that a sarc- when your circadian rhythm is out of dis- is dysfunctioning, your sense of self is also not clear. And from there, your immune system becomes affected, and also your mental health. And the gift that this uh, qigong that I practiced taught me was it taught taught me how to understand my position, to be in my body, to know where I was in relation to others, in relation to the world. So a lot of my diagnostic abilities that I thank you for bringing up are. I believe from the Qigong, maybe I had some innate abilities, but the Qigong reinforced that because when you know who you are, you know what you're not, and you can listen to others a lot better. Um, so I thought uh, that by working with psychotherapists and people understanding the mental aspect themselves, that would help me help buffer some of the suffering I saw with my patients. That didn't actually necessarily happen. Um, and I realized that just talking was sometimes not enough. So I believe that you need to, to have a combination of, of different factors um, to really solidify who you are and what you need. And so uh, Barefoot Living Arts is actually what came of that. Um, this sense of self being lost, I believe, is a big part of our trouble in society um, that comes out as addiction possibly or believing that happiness is outside of us um, Gaber Mate is a big uh, I believe I'm saying that right I'm a big fan of his work and his positioning and it just reinforced what I already felt and hadn't experienced and so um we are starting to do more work with people that are addicts, but as I realize 
a lot of the patients I work with are looking for something outside of them to be their answer, be it work, be it diet, be it exercise, be it their job, be it their relationship, be it their children, and maybe not spending enough time with self, knowing self, and solidifying that. And as that comes up, it seems that uh, we're having better success when people realize that they are their center, they are their own happiness, they are their own health that we've talked about. Um, and the, the great part of working with you, David, is that you know, I realize that I've kind of set up my life where I don't assume order, but if you assume chaos, it, do, it doesn't take you very far. So you have to like find that sweet spot between, I guess, an orderly plan, but also listening to what's happening. You know, so as a Chinese medicine doctor or practicing like as a Taoist, you come in and you need to have a plan but you also have to listen to what the patient is asking. And then you hopefully come to some kind of agreement, some sweet spot. You know, I think I, I was sharing you, with you today uh, that I, there's a, there's a, uh, I was meeting with some of the Shenzhen teachers and we were talking about relationships. And some of the teachers don't have spouses or children. And they talk about doing this Qigong and they feel very pure and very centered. And they believe their job is to bring their that to the world, which is probably true. But what I've learned, having three teenage daughters and an Italian wife from New Jersey, is that I can be as pure, as centered as I want to be, or as I think I am, but I'm only as pure as centered as I'm in relative to what is going on around me, and finding that place where I can hang out in that chaos and not get lost to it, you know, and... I mean, life, life happens. I know that you've had some events that weren't planned, weren't, and how you survive those really is, it, is how you come back to yourself, right? And you decide what's important to you. And, and so, so your, your work with the patients, you know, let's, let's kind of do the path. Okay, let's, okay? let's of, work on the path. Of a patient. Right. Um, a... We could do, I, and I don't know if there's any difference between man and woman. I'll just, you know, uh, let's, since you have. There's a difference, but we won't have to talk about it. We don't, we, we don't, we don't have to get into the details, but um, <laughs> let, let's start with women since you have three teenage daughters now or, or okay. close to and oh, roughly. really talking about women. Okay. Um, but, you know, a, a patient comes in, I don't know, 60 year old woman comes in and had some material health issues. Doesn't have to be defined. Because it, you're you're listening in anyway, right, right? To what and you're looking and seeing things at pattern levels, right? So, what are your the person comes in? What does that practice look like? Right. So what I learned, and we talked about this today also, that um, with the age of information, um, with the education of this area. People come in with a knowing, an idea of what they believe to be true, what they believe they need, and what they believe they, you know, they want to, I guess, get from our relationship. And so I take into account, so I've worked more as an ally, or I work more as a, I'm consulting them on the understanding of what health is, or what their health could look like. And so if they come in with... Uh, not as much anymore. Mostly the boomers would come in with a big bag of supplements. And they'd put them on my table and they'd have like 20 supplements. And we'd go through. And nine times out of ten, I would try to get it down to three or four. 
because they were just like shotgun approach, right? And so that was, and maybe they didn't even think about diet. So they, I guess that's kind of, we'll create a, a formula. So I've have to been, I've learned that I have to be reactive to the needs of my patients. And from that, I'm again, balancing order and chaos. And there's a doctor, one of my mentors, Dr. Gagneau, who said there's four pillars for health, right? So there's nourishment, would be diet, that's sunshine, fresh air, ways of sleep. How well are you nourishing yourself? How well, how well is this person being nourished? Right? There's also we could call flow or what the French would call drainage. So flow is things come in, you take, you assimilate, you take what you need, and things move out. So a healthy system knows who they are in relation to the flow of information, energy, things coming in, emotions, and letting go of what they don't need. Right? So that would be drainage or flow. So I'm looking at that when I am taking the case of a patient. There's also the mental aspect of the patient, more from the narrative of how they see themselves and how they see their relation to the world, their story. And that is one of the biggest pieces that I'm, I feel like, especially in maybe my profession, we haven't, we're not respecting enough, um, but we can get back to that. And the, the fourth aspect would be the, the French would call the terrain, but it could be your genetics, it's your microbiome, it's your attachment theory, like how you've, like what you've come into with your family system, what your family system has, what you've inherited, being the, you know, that we know we inherit gut bacteria, we have genetic particles, but we also have learning, we have these habits, we have these that were given to us that we might not even know. So that that's a long-term one, but that's definitely taken in, in, the, in the case. Um, the personal narrative is something that I talked to the other practitioners here that we have to understand because uh, if someone comes in, we'll say we live in Connecticut, we'll talk about Lyme disease. There's many people that their narratives, narrative is that I am a person with Lyme disease. And they've set up their reactions, their responses to the world based on this premise that something came in, happened to me, and this is a part of my story. So, but there, there's also a sense of uh, of nothing I can do about it. Well, if they've had it long, the longer they've had it, the harder it is, right, to train the mentality away from "I'm stuck with this forever" to "I can move on." Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, there are the people that will change the narrative, but the longer they've had this story in their head, this is who I am, like that I survived or I had Lyme disease and this is a part of my, who I, they, um, they actually can get upset when they're getting better. Because now, who are they? They don't have that story. So unless we replace it with a new story, unless we replace it with a new idea of who they are, it's kind of omnipresent. And I was surprised that when people felt better, they would actually get cranky. Or people that you would think it's this like linear like path, but if it, it doesn't work that way all the time. So, <laughs> um, so I take these four, these four pillars, these four positions into consideration. And this, I believe, gives me a, a basis to work with trying to find, help that person find themselves again, which 
from that place they have a chance to stay in balance, right? And uh, yeah, that's so, <laughs> so. So you use so, but but needles are a regular part, right? So a typical session is an hour. Yes. And and what is that hour? How much does that hour vary? I, I know what our hours look like. It's right. usually at least half needles and you know listening, taking pulses, needles, and then we do qigong. Right. And I, I don't know how, how does that, how does that vary with other patients? Yeah. Um, you know, you're, we've worked together for a while, so we, our relationship is more fine tuned and has a specific pattern in place. Um, teacher Lee and my teacher, uh, Master Lee Jung Fen says you treat the life. So the first part of the, of any, the beginning of any kind of treatment is there is like, we're, I'm asking how they are, how are you doing? And from there, we start, you know, the, the story of what's going on comes up. It's also under it's my belief that to treat the energy or to treat the chi or treat the feeling of the person, you have to talk about, it has to be in the room. So by asking how you are and bringing up the conflicts or the concerns or the challenges, then the body, the emotion, emotional body comes up and you can start to feel that in the pulse. And you can help balance that or bring it to a conclusion. So, you, so I ask people how they're doing. We talk about if they have specific things. We talk about that, the progression, what direction they think they're moving, their pain, their imbalances, and then their struggles. I take the pulses, and then the treatment. And I think you said this, the treatment is part. You you gleam information by how they respond to the needles, right? So the needles are a treatment, but they're also giving you information on what's going on with that person and how to further that and then from there it kind of guides me to what organ systems or what things are needed you know if their energy is really low we talk about nourishment if their energy is very chaotic we probably talk about their mental positioning if if it seems like it's a deeper deeper thing we do talk about family systems and like what's going on in your your sense of security in 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 your in your life and then if it's just a congested liver, uh, we talk about flow. Like, what do you, you know, your habits. I like the idea of we're a bunch of micro habits. And so make little small steps. So, But with someone like you that's already moving and it's easy to change and easy to like change your, your positioning and like adapt, it's, it's, you know, it's like I think these practices teach people to have a mindset of growth and change and outlook and listening. And that's what um, is, is really empowering to watch as a practitioner. And, and how, how long is a typical patient? I mean, I think you have some people that kind of float in and out. I mean, right. you know, as we talked about this morning, like, you know, life kind of happens. And do, do you find a lot of people, you know, that there's some percentage, I believe, that are like me, they're regulars. There's some percentage that may ebb and flow based on their life needs, I assume. Yes. Uh, and I'm curious kind of the distribution of your patients and, and, and you know, different types. Yeah, I mean, so I have had some patients for, I guess, 15 years. Um, I've had patients that, you know, it's just three, three sessions. We'll, we'll, we'll have a specific need. It could be pain. It could be a GI problem. It could be, usually it's pain if it's that short. And then once the pain's gone, they're gone, and then they come back when the pain's again. 
so I have, you know, what people are willing to like look at or talk about or focus on, I try to meet them where they are. Um, some people who have more of a like, I mean, growth mindset see the coming to my office as a reflective tool so they can know who, like, understand what their needs are, understand themselves, and they can use that in day to day life. So people come in for a tune up or for like a to get in to get some um, information on their state, on their needs. And uh, so, okay. so I can see people once a week, once a month, every three months, every, yeah, I've seen, I just saw a person yesterday I hadn't seen in 10 years. They came back. They, wow. mo- they moved in and they just wanted to like, they had told their story and we just reset and it was, and uh, yeah, so that was, that was good. So, so talk about what you're building here <clears throat> at Barefoot right. Living Arts. We have a studio here now. Uh, maybe talk about John and the team you're building right. and the different services. Because obviously not everyone can afford to come in and have private treatments two, three times a week or even once a week. Uh, and, you know, and there's a different assortment of solutions. And sometimes it's not, you're not the guy they need at that moment. Yes. Um, so maybe just talk about the, the whole solution that, that you're right. providing here. Yeah. So, so Barefoot Living Arts, the idea is that we, I guess, we take you back to your natural state. We, we, we're, we're very grounded in our approach. We're very, I don't want to say simple, but concise. Um, our expertise kind of brings you to a place where you can focus on the task at hand. Um, why I picked barefoot was not because of feet, even though I think feet are important, <laughs> um, is that there were barefoot doctors in China that when their economy was crashing and their healthcare system didn't work, when Mao tried to go Western all and get rid of traditional Chinese medicine, the, the people in the farmlands were not doing very well. So they started sending out uh, almost like PAs of today into the farmland and teaching people to rem- so that they could remember herbs, remember how to take care, how to eat, remember some of the things that that Mao Mao tried to Mao wanted to get rid of all of the past, right? He wanted them to forget all what they knew, and he almost did it. So then they had to like reset, and so the barefoot was like resetting that you are you are you have to participate in your healthcare and you have ways to do that. Um, so Qigong, or Tai Chi, that sometimes you see in the parks in China, is a, it's a way to, it's not to get in shape or be fit, it's a way to reconnect to yourself and also reconnect yourself in the community. It's a communal and also a physical form. Right? So then I believe that community has been shown to be an important part of healthcare right now. We need to feel like we're part of something. So social isolation, especially in Fairfield County, is problematic. So the, one of the big things we're trying to create here is a sense of community, non-judgmental community. Um, the other, so the practitioners that share the space with myself, uh, we have a cranial sacral therapist who um, is also into Native American teachings. His, his position is very much of, of, I guess, of grounding just being with him, you feel like you slow down. You're you're in the woods. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I mean, his name is John John, John Dunlevy, and he's he's yes. it, it's 
he's uh, he's on the opposite side of this wall right now but he's he's this giant of a man who's uh, a very very gentle soul right uh and you know I, when i was on his table years ago i just i don't really remember much because if he wants to knock you out and he will do that if you know right. not with his fists but with, right, with a gentle, the gentle part of his hands <laughs> yes um uh it's a you relax know, you deeply <laughs> you will you will be relaxed um yes and and so uh you know, yeah it's a very dynamic element here right yeah so john's presence is in his presence is very nourishing very grounding and uh what we're trying to do is really create a narrative where patients, we sometimes will play complementary roles based on what the patient needs. And so uh, for someone to heal, the belief is they have to be seen, heard, and cared for. And only when they can experience that state and relax into it can you start to make inroads on some of the habits that are not serving them, mental, physical, or emotional habits. And so we're, we're talking about, we talk a lot about narrative and how we can help restructure someone's narrative so that they are more comfortable and healthy. Um, we also have uh, Dr. Tanvi Gandhi. Um, she has studied Ayurvedic medicine. Um, she also does Mayan abdominal massage, and she's a licensed acupuncture, and she also went, is a doctor of naturopathy. She, and she has some pretty popular group yes, she acupunctures has, here. Right. She was doing a combination of community acupuncture with meditation, and she herself has done a lot of meditation. So people can feel the deep states. They come and take a nap. They feel comfortable. They feel relaxed. There's something to be said when people can sleep in your space, right? <laughs> they fall asleep. They like, And so that's what we're trying to, to foster uh, as a group, and also Tanvi does a nice job of that. Um, I, I just just want to decide. I I gave up on yoga when I moved up to Connecticut almost fifteen years ago, because right. I kept looking for places that did shavasana at the end, right. which to me there was almost no value to all that movement. Right. If I didn't have ten or fifteen minutes to assimilate it, which is what a lot of what that class right. just focuses on. Right. Yeah. The movements take you into the state, and right yoga means union. So if you're only moving, you didn't let go and. Drop into that deep state where you, of delta, whatever alpha, theta, delta, where your brain just calms down. Then maybe you are missing the point. So yeah. yeah so we have qigong classes. We're going to start having yoga for recovery classes. We have some. Uh, we have rescue recovery, which is a Buddhist form of AA that's starting to build. Um, we have you know different age groups coming in with with that. We have a psychotherapist who does yoga and Reiki, Haley Segelia, or Terrell, I'm sorry, she just got married. Um, so yeah, think it, but it's based on the idea that this is a place where people would come, a respite, where they feel safe, they can relax, and we'll meet them where they are. Like in everything you brought in is relative. We're not gonna say, oh, that was a bad choice, or this was, that didn't work for you. If it worked for you, if you feel good about it, it makes you feel more whole, then we'll compound it, maybe add add to it, not subtract, right? So what's nice is uh, we get referrals from other therapists. We get referrals from other doctors. We work with other people. We'll fit what's needed. So um, it's more compounding, integrating. So um, well, you, you, You've had some, you know, I, I feel like every time I come here, uh, which is frequent. Uh, I'm getting an education on your office is next door. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm not even supposed to be here. I 
I, I'm, I'm subletting to in order to sneak an office in a sports complex. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's actually when I was forming P5 and I'm looking up at your wall uh, that has a wonderful diagram with uh, the extremities and the acupuncture points on the bottom half and the five elements on the top. And it's that image, uh, which is where P5 came from, from specifically seeing that over and over. And at various times, if you were not in the room or I was waiting or just at the end of a session is me staring at that. And that's where the five P5 and the five elements of traditional Chinese medicine came from that name. Um, and again, when I talk to investors and it's performance, it's precision, it's personalized medicine, it's all the P's of Western, right. but really underneath it all, it is, it is a, a view of the body uh, where everything is integrated. And, um, you know, where, where you can relieve pain in my shoulder by putting a needle in my ankle. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I was been really lucky. Um, when I moved from Pittsburgh to Connecticut to go to nature by school, I worked at a, at, at, in a cardiac rehab center in one little town in, in Connecticut. And they were, this was when healthcare was, I guess hospitals were changing and they were trying to change their approach and they were going to have this integrative clinic and the first um, resident naturopath came over from, although most of the schools were on the West Coast at this time. UB had not got, was not strong enough to have someone. University of Bridgeport. Right, that hadn't graduated. So she came over from the from National Naturopathic School, and she was hanging out with a bunch of Yale students. And so this was supposed to be like state-of-the-art, we're going to go holistic we're going to have a nature path and medical doctors and we're going to find a middle and it's going to be like this kumbaya experience it did not work they could not understand each other's brains they could not understand each other's approaches she came to me because she knew i was in school and shared a lot of her challenges a lot of the problems and i started to realize like this whole blending inter, like the, the approach that they were treating each other as the same. Instead of saying, you're an artist, I'm a scientist, we see things from different directions, we can both help. They're like, no, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong. There was this feuding on truth. And it, it was a great thing to experience in the very beginning because I realized like it wasn't possible to not, to say there was an absolute truth it was more a compounding integrative approach where we were there was being ideas were being shared and the patient's health was the only truth that really mattered right yeah, I, mean, I, I i would say that i think what if if i were to take a fault perspective or a a, a fault in the perspective of western medicine that i think for chronic disease is i, I don't know if it's an achilles heel and or, or maybe it is and then some is this concept that you have to always have answers right. and you have to be the one that has the answers. And the problem with medical school is there aren't a lot of slots, at least historically it was very prestigious. It's always the smartest people taught by the smartest people who feel that they can't afford to be wrong. Right. So they don't take risks even when they're small. Right. So they limit. Whereas if, if they were asking the questions, and that's when the, the very first interview I did with Sid Baker said, you know, was, was that, you know, you know the, the, whether it's the needles, whether, but the, the treatment is in and of itself a diagnostic. Does it work 
or doesn't it work? If it doesn't work, that's telling you that what you're treating is not the issue. Right. Um, or at least the way you're treating it is not the issue. And, um, but again, it's, it's this concept that you do by listening all the time is you're always asking the body to tell you right. what's going on as opposed to you saying, well, I'm going to take some blood work and that's going to tell you everything. Or I'm going to just look at you and say, well, you have these symptoms. And that's what I find very fascinating when you see the difference between a, let's say, genetic. You have cystic fibrosis. You have a genetic, clearly defined genetic problem. Right. As opposed to something that may be dementia or Alzheimer's or other things that are what we call a clinical diagnosis. Right. Which are often diagnosed incorrectly. Uh, and, you know, we're a long way before machine learning and artificial intelligence get us to 99.9% accuracy, a long way off. Right. Um, and, and that's what, that, that's one of the things is, as, as we you know, move towards the close of this conversation that y- you have, uh, and, and where I really compliment you and want to have you back on again, um, is, is to talk more about your ability to listen and how you can share that more with other practitioners or other people who need that from their practitioners to, to, to listen and to, and to be in a, a state of humility that is always asking questions. Right. So I don't know if you have any last thoughts <laughs> well, I mean, for today. The last steps are that I know where you right. live so we can continue. <laughs> yes. Um, well, to listen, you have to listen to yourself, right? So the practice of Qigong that we, we work, work together on, but that I do every day, I have to listen to myself every day. So when I listen to myself, I know that I'm not the same person every day, and it tells me the nuances, which I, I believe helps me position myself so when someone comes into my office, I can listen to them and realize that it's, it's a living system and it's always changing. And you, I can't tell you how much people ask me they say to me, they say, should I tell you when it hurts when I put a needle in? And I say, how would I know if you didn't? And it's this, like, a, the even come in with that premise that they're not supposed to tell me, is, is pro- it's not that it's Western medicine, it might be the Western mind, right? Like, this, I say, and I say, in, in joking around, this is an interactive, uh, you know, relationship. If you don't tell me, I won't know, Right? And well, I, I, I for one have no problem telling you. you like, do. The more pain, the more excited I am because yeah. I know you opened up a channel. So right, right. you think yeah. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> right. I just see that you hit a good spot. Right. And that's, yes, you definitely have a <laughs> unique approach. But but yeah, to not like be able to tell someone that it hurts, to think that's even a question, like that shows you where they've come from and what they've experienced in their health care. Like, you know, so it's like, yes, tell me. If it hurts, tell me if it's not working. Tell me, what have you learned about yourself, about your body, about your needs, about your diet, about your sleeping? What do you need? And it, that's, if people come into the office knowing that, like, there's a lot more we can do, right? So. Well, I want to thank you. Thank you, David. This was awesome, as usual. And um, we'll go back into our archives where we did some interviews back earlier in the year and I will go through them over the next month or two. Uh, and, and we were, I guess you could say practicing for this day. We were practicing. Um, we're always but, practicing. But, uh, um, we'll be doing more of these because your, your insights, uh, and, and your, you know, 
just wide wide open openness to working with others and learning is is astounding and so it's the the web address is barefootlivingarts.org and then uh for shenzhen uh qigong the it's, can we spell it yes s-h-e-n-g-z-h-e-n international.org and and if you can go on vimeo there are videos available to from master lee uh he's a rare rare gem of a human being uh let alone a martial artist uh uh you can even find i think well, at least one of his movies is on netflix from the old days right i mean this is hot off the press i just found this out today actually he got a starring role in a chinese movie he's going to play the grandfather of a martial artist and no they kidding. actually wrote the role in the movie for him after meeting him they changed the whole role they loved him so much they want him to like so i mean he was a movie star before but this is his it's a big deal he's he's incredible and we were i'll just say one last thing because this is really fascinating about the power of the body and i remember we were at training in new york about four or five years ago so he was 73 four at the time right and he had a platform and it was probably a good what would you say, 30, 36 inches off the ground? Yeah. At least yeah. the, the height yeah, of a table. Right. Yeah. And he had stepped down to walk around the group, and then he had everyone aggregate around him, and then he realized that everyone couldn't see, uh, so he wanted to go back up on the platform. And it was just, it, it was right out of one of these crazy, you know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Like, He's it, he just elevated up <laughs> off one leg. And I looked at you, and I said... Did, did, did I just see that? And, you know, did that just happen? And you were like, yeah, you, you were kind of like, yeah, I've seen it before. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unreal when you meet a grandmaster. Right. And, and it, you know, I see in you his ability to pass on um, not just the skills, but the, the energetic wisdom, um, uh, which goes way beyond having just skills. So I'm, I'm appreciative because you're my teacher. Uh, and we'll be doing more teacher training with Master Lee because I will be joining you now right. uh, more than just a day here, a day there in the future, in the very near future. So thank you. All right, thank and you. we'll be back.